Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for an episode on 24, the penultimate episode of season three, day three, episode 23. It is 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. If you're listening to us between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. in real life, let us know. Maybe you listen to these at the exact time of the day. So that would be very interesting. Uh, this was directed by John Kazar. It was the story, at least, was Evan Katz and Stephen Cronish teleplay by Robert Cochran and Hal Gordon. All the cooks are in the kitchen this week for this one. Uh, it originally aired on the 18th of May, 2004. And this is a pretty epic episode. Some big moments, some big setups, and the death of a beloved character who we're never going to see again. My name is Ben, and... I'm a co-host on the Oz Network of the United States, and I'm committing a burglary. <laughs> I told you it was shit. <laughs> um, my name is Colin, and we loved each other once. Help me. Um, no, never. Um, <laughs> no, no, just no. 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 You know, can, no. Can, you, uh, can you read through the, the writers again, the story by and teleplay credit? Story, Evan Katz, Stephen Cronish, teleplay, Robert Cochran and Howard Gordon. Mm. So this is mm. interesting. Last <laughs> week, it was completely flipped around. It was story by Cochran and Gordon and teleplay by Katz and Cronish. Wow. So they just decided... Okay, Trade we off. wrote this great story, but our script sucks. You guys take it. They're like, what a coincidence. We wrote a great story, but our script sucks. You take this. Which, like, uh, this is a dumb question for me to ask on a podcast about TVs and movies, which I've hosted for over a thousand episodes. But so basically the story is Evan and Steven go blah, 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 on a piece of paper. And then Robert and Howard come in and turn it into a play, essentially. So they're, yeah. they're, they're, well, Evan and Steven are lazy this week, basically. I mean, I mean Really, in TV, whenever you have like written by, I mean, most TV shows, you have an entire, the entire writing staff kind of works together. You have that one person who's like, okay, it's your job to put this on paper. But in most cases, there are, you know, 12 people in a room all contributing to the same script and one person gets the credit. But uh, no, it's just, that's kind of funny that the, they just decide to swap duties one week after the other. <laughs> Duty. Uh, sounds like the Oz Network, <laughs> basically. You know, there's a bunch of us that do stuff, but one person does all the work uh, and gets all the credit. Uh, I don't know who that would Noah. be. Noah. Rocky. Uh, no, yeah, Noah. Uh, <laughs> not allowed to say Noah on the show. That's racist. Max Dawson will tweet out. <laughs> ah, racist, racist. Um, also, uh, we didn't mention last week, but um, based on our cliffhanger that we had the week before, rest in peace to the Queen. Um <laughs> 
when we recorded yeah. episode. So, Ben. That's steeped in history on no, the Oz Network. Uh, if you I can't believe go, you bring that up. You're I right. I know. Man. You hosted last week. You didn't do your job. Yeah, but uh, steeped in history, episode 21 of season three, We well, the Queen was alive and was dying when we recorded and then died like a few hours later. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Ben has a history for those who listen to Double R Seven. Oh, don't put the Queen's death on me. She was ninety fucking six. Okay, well, I, Sean Connery was ninety-one. You killed him. Yeah, but uh, that's young. Ben Ben mentioned in an episode. You know, we're probably getting to the point where one of the James Bonds is going to die. We recorded that when he was waiting to board a flight. He landed on his flight and read the news: Sean Connery's dead. Uh, who was the second one you killed? Right, we uh, no, that was Roger Moore. Sean Connery, we technically killed because oh, I went back and listened to the episode before Sean Connery died, and we made jokes about Connery okay, and right. Daniel so Craig dying. Ben, yeah. ben killed Roger Moore like that, and then Sean Connery died. And we're like, well, at least Ben didn't say anything. He went back and listened to the episode and figured out that he did. So now, everybody's favorite Bond girl, Queen of England, who's only no, a couple no, years no, older no, than no, Roger no, Moore, no. And Sean Connery. Look, okay, the the difference is is that. Particularly Roger Moore was the biggest fluke. That is one of the scariest things that I've ever done in my entire life, that you literally say that and then within 24 hours he's dead. Like that, you cannot script that. That was like insanely coincidental. Sean Connery, I mean, we we let's be honest, we've told the joke on every Bond episode since. And when George Lazenby dies, I'm like, oh, no, we killed George Lazenby. We've literally said that 50 times. Plus, he's like a sexist, misogynist dinosaur now. He's been cancelled. Um, but the Queen, the only reason that got brought up is because the headline on my phone was like, Queen in critical condition. Like, like, are you going to say I killed Anne Haish because we talked about her on the show? Like, oh, Anne Haish is basically nearly dead. Oh, Ben, you it's- killed Anne Haish. It's just, it's perfect coincidence that if it's somebody related to Bond and you mentioned somebody dying, they're probably going to be dead by the time you do the next episode. Right, when well, is Madonna's this. turn? I'm testing this out right now to see my powers, <laughs> all right? Ava Green. Oh, what an actress. It's so sad Don't that she will die one us. day. <laughs> if I wake Couldn't up tomorrow be- and she's dead, I, I am locking myself in an institution. I've got Couldn't powers. Couldn't it be Madonna or Dalton? No. Why are you going to take Eva from us? Don't Fuck you. Get off my show. Uh, <laughs> I guess I it is your taste. show this week, so go ahead. Kill whoever you want. Why don't you kill Kiefer while you're at it? Well, Sherry's going to die this week because <laughs> we're finally here. Um, but this, I mean, look, great episode. Again, two moments in this episode, which to me are top five worthy. Paul Blackthorn's incredible. Uh, Sherry uh, is incredible. Uh, Penny Johnson Gerald is the actress's name, of course. Um <laughs> I love like there's like a real spy element to this episode, like the the ending and the subway is great. Like I love that. The scene between the you know Sherry and David is great, um, and then Brad Hammond's there uh, because is he not like the <laughs> worst actor ever? <laughs> he's the Jane Saunders of CTU. <laughs> he's terrible, Brad Hammond. Like oh my oh. god, just keep him as a name. Don't bring him in. Um, I will. I'll, let me reiterate. He's the worst till now. Uh, like he looks like freaking Meryl Streep in about three seasons time. Um, but yeah, this is a great episode. Yes, it is a great episode. Uh, I, I don't want to be too down on it, uh, cause it, it's not at the level of last week and I don't think it's going to be at the level of this week or sorry, next week. Uh, this episode is not at the level of this week. <laughs> That's how much it struggles, but, um, it's, it's perfectly adequate. It's not. It's not a bin. It's definitely not a bin. It's somewhere in the middle for me. I mean, there's technically only two stories this week. I guess you've got to 
two and a half. I mean, Tony stuff and Brad, I guess, is the shortest one here because really it's just the Palmer drama and Saunders and Jack and finding the virus. So, I mean, the CTU stuff is basically Tony gets brought back. I mean, he gets arrested and it's like, damn it, you can't arrest him. He's doing his job. And basically it's all like, no, this is from Brad Hammond, TV's Brad Hammond. So Jack calls up Brad and is like, damn it, Brad, how dare you? And, you know, I did this two years ago. And, again, Brad's got a solid point. Well, kind of different. Millions of people's lives are on the line here. It was just, you know, David Palmer's a few years ago. And he's a shit president. So we probably would have, you know, been safe if he had been killed like five years ago. Um, But so then Tony gets put in a room and is all like, Tony, you're getting the death penalty. You committed treason. I mean, (laughs) is it treason? Like It's treason then. Like, treason is, what, going against your country, right? Like, that's kind of, like, I I don't know if this is a death... I mean, again, I'm no lawyer yet, one day, maybe, but, I mean, I don't know if kidnap like, getting a guy who killed... Like, treason is a crime of attacking a state authority to which one owes allegiance. I mean, did he really attack America because he released a guy who attacked America? I don't know. I think a lawyer could beat that treason charge down in five minutes. He, So, yes, he could, but, like, we basically complained that Chappelle should have been a little bit more Hammond-like for most of the season. We didn't mention Hammond by name, but what we're waiting for Chappelle to be like is, come on, stand your ground, man. Like, at least question him for a little while. I mean, he says, okay, well, the, the hearing will decide that. I'm not against what Brad Hammond is doing by saying, listen, Tony, you can't, Jack kind of has a good argument for this where he brings up the whole Gael and him thing later on, which I'm also sure Hammond is going to have issues with, but uh, really has Tony, does Tony offer anything? I mean, Jack kind of tries to say, oh yeah, he's, he's an asset to us now. For what reason? Like, I don't, I don't quite get it. So I'm not against what Hammond is doing, but yes, the actor is not good. Uh, another definition, the crime of betraying a nation or a sovereign by acts considered dangerous to security. I mean, that is treason then in, in that definition, but yeah, I don't Did know. Did he commit regicide, though? <sighs> I don't know. What is that where you kill somebody called Reggie? Like, what's regicide? That, that's like the assassination of a um, somebody in the royal family. Uh, the action of killing a king or queen. Oh, so what, did I commit regicide? Is that what you're fucking trying to tell me? Yes. That I committed regicide. <laughs> Um, also, can I just point out, uh, again, just to date this episode, the time of recording this, I don't know why, I was bored enough that I went to news.com.au and like the headline was like, a man in Queensland who claims to be the long-lost son of Prince Charles is demanding an inquiry. And I'm like, okay, right now on this episode, I'm going to say I'm the long-lost king, uh, long-lost king, there we go, of Ethiopia. I want my claim talked about. I want to be the headline story on news.com.au. Like, is that where they get their journalism? They are the Max Dawson of news. Like, you know, it's like, oh, look at me. I exist and I used to be important. No, just put a beard on news.com.au. Max Dawson. (laughs) That's basically what it comes down to. Not my point. Um, Regicide. Why is it called regicide? (laughs) I don't know. Again, it's the Simpsons reference. There's the Simpsons, uh, the one where Bart, the rear window episode where he broke his leg. Oh, yeah. It's like, if you're reporting a crime, you know, if you know the name of the crime, press one. For regicide, press four. Okay, I remember that one now. Um, What was the one I saw today on like a meme? It was the one with with Billy Corgan in it. And it's like, hi, I'm Billy Corgan, smashing pumpkins. Hi, I'm Homer Simpson, standing uncomfortably or like smiling intently (laughs) or something like that. Yeah, like like, smiling politely or something. Yeah, (laughs) smiling. 
Oh, remember when The Simpsons used to be good? Um, remember when The Austin Network used business? to be good? We're we're really off the 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 trail right now too. But what what is it? Um, there's there's a movie I'm trying to think of where uh, is, is Steve Martin's in it. Uh, I think it's Bowfinger, where um, he's the smashing he's going back and forth with. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's like uh, yeah. you like smashing pumpkins. Are you kidding? I love to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, but definitely Bowfinger. It's no, it is Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Right? <laughs> kind of like ER, but with yeah. Steve Martin in it. Uh, and no doctors. <laughs> And no doctors. Do <laughs> the doctors in Bowfinger? I can't remember. I watched it on the plane a few months ago. Anyway, um, where do we even get to with that? Like, how are we talking about that? <laughs> oh, treason. Treason. Um, treason and that's right. That's right. Um, so Tony's there and I can't even remember what Michelle says. Michelle just basically walks in and is like, no, let my husband go. He's great. And Brad Hammond literally is like, no, Michelle, he committed treason. <laughs> he is going to die. Um, <laughs> Slow guy, and painfully. <laughs> this guy is so shit. Um, oh, he's the he's the Max Dawson of actors. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like I don't know if you've got anything to add on this. Like, I mean, like this is a downfall of Tony. This plays into a bit for next season and kind of what happens for the rest of twenty four with Tony involved. So it is important, but again, you know. Why does Tony get dragged on the coals when Jack never does? And Jack does 500 times things worse. Uh, just just remember the charge of treason against Tony in season four, five, six, seven, and eight, mm-hmm. and nine of 24, please. Um, yeah, I mean, are you covering Jack's conversation with Hammond here too? Oh, yeah. Recaps, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I like Jack. He recaps life. the series. Yeah. Jack, Jack, Jack's got like, I, I, and this is what I said last week. I, I kind of like how they do tie this into season one and that they've got at least yeah. uh, enough writers around the kitchen where they can, like, I'm sure they've written this and one person, like, how it's gone. But guys, isn't this a bit hypocritical? Jack, remember season one? Yeah, what happened in season one? Oh, let's just go watch it on DVD for the next 17 yeah. hours. <laughs> then we'll come back. Fast forward 17 hours later. Yeah, we should add a line in about that whole family kidnap Jack season one thing. Yeah, probably good idea. Yeah, the uh, the first note that I made on this episode is is Hammond not concerned with taking Jack into custody as well, and then Jack basically gives him the run of the. Listen, I did the same thing when I went against CTU to, to rescue my wife in season one, and then in season two, Brad Hammond, if you remember episode fifteen, um, <laughs> I I you know bailed on a plane and Mason blew this up, and then you know I I was doing this operation. He even brings up I've been on a secret operation with Gael and Tony. He, he recaps the entire series. I just want Hammond to be like, all right, you're coming in too. He Treason. started a prison riot, <laughs> took a wanted yeah. fugitive to another country and then just walked back in and was like, hi, guys, back. Oh, Mexico, lol. <laughs> like, I mean, again, like Jack's the hero. Jack's got to do Jack things and we love Jack, one of the greatest television characters of all time. But, like, our job here is to nitpick into the hypocritical nature of Tony Treason. Jack, yeah. <laughs> you are promoted to the head of CTU. Yeah, it, it, like Hammond is clearly having an affair with Jack or something because there's <laughs> no reason the way this conversation goes, he basically gives him his resume for committing treason. <laughs> and then Hammond's like, well, I feel it's a different situation, okay? You're you're re- you're really good in bed, so I'm going to let you <laughs> off with a warning, Jack. And he is. He is. <laughs> of course he is. With that dong, um, oh. he didn't break a toe. <laughs> well, that's what he broke his toe with. That's what happened. He's dong like he was taking a leak and he missed the urinal. Ah, oh, my toe. Oh, my toe. <laughs> ah, yeah, it was Jack screaming. Gun, right, James Morrison? <laughs> yeah. 
exactly, James Morrison. He's gun. <laughs> Jack, that's Kiva's nickname for it. That's all I had. I mean, we're talking about Brad <laughs> Aaron. I got nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the half storyline of this episode. Um, now, I don't know. Like, generally, we always go with the, the Palmer. I feel like I'm going to save the Palmer drama to last because that's kind of, in a way, the cliffhanger. I mean, both these storylines are great, but I'm going to go with the Palmer drama last because we need to eulogize our beloved Cherry. Yes. Um, so, obviously, uh, Jack's got Saunders, and then this is where we find out that there's 11 vials. Um, Saunders, and okay, my point to last week where I was saying, like, you just look at Saunders being unhinged. Paul Blackthorne, again, I, I put this on him. Like, the writing's great, but he's just got, like, this look in his eye and just the mannerisms, and you can just kind of see Jack looking at him because Jack's, like, there's a moment there where Saunders is all like, oh, like, there's 11 vials, you know, this is going to go ahead and this is going to, you're going to pay for what America did and blah, 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 blah. And then, like, Jack kind of just pauses and looks at him and goes, like, what happened to you, Stephen? Like, it's just this, like, subtle little moment where, like, We've never seen these two together until now, except for that great photo of, look over there. Um, <laughs> but, like, you believe within five minutes that these two were on an operation together, like, back in, in Kosovo. Like, it's just, it's so good. And kind of Saunders goes into this explanation about, like, I was abandoned, I was left behind. Then I love how he turns around and says, and this is foreshadowing, because he says to Jack, you know, I was left behind and forgotten about by my government. The same thing that will happen to you one day. Uh-huh. Saunders, smart man. Um, so, like, it's just he's just got this mannerism and look about him. And this is where I'm interpreting this differently now where maybe I'm forgiving it slightly from the shit that I hate about this with Saunders, the downfall of him, because he just looks unhinged. And, like, you'll see this when Jane goes into the hotel soon. Like, that like, line where Saunders is literally, like, shouting out, like, you will listen to me. Like, he's so, like, cocky and arrogant. He's Trent Queen. Like, there's a name that we haven't brought up in a few times. This is exactly what Trent was. Trent thought he knew everything and was the bee's knees and everything. And sometimes he was, other times he was a dick. Most of the times he was a dick. It was not Liv Tyler. Shut up, Trent. But it, <laughs> it like, I, there's just something about this delivery that Paul Blackthorne does. And then even when Jane comes in here and kind of, because, like, I hate the bit where he says, like, I am willing to sacrifice Jane for my cause. But, like, now that I interpret this is, like, he's just saying this because he's like, I'm in command, I'm in control. Because as soon as Jane comes in, you can see he's struggling. You can see this, like, oh, like, you know, really, like, oh, Jane, I love you. You're so great. Um, and it's just, I don't know, there's just some element about it that I really, really like. Uh, I don't know if you've got anything to add on that before I move on to the the next sequence. Um, I, I kind of get what you're saying. You know, there's definitely a shift with Saunders here. Uh, you can see that, like, not all the lights are on or whatever, but at the same time, I just wish we'd had something more of that leading into this. And we discussed this at great length before, you know, the, the fact that you have the perfect villain, what are you going to do with them? That kind of puts you in the position where you expect more out of the villain. Um, but uh, I mean, he, his performance is fantastic and his performance from this point on, even though, there are holes in it. I cannot fault Paul Blackthorne. He is the opposite of Brad Hammond. Brad Hammond, the character makes sense and the performance is garbage. Uh, with uh, Saunders, I think the the character is kind of garbage at this point, but the performance is great. The thing that I, I, I appreciate, though, is you've said you've obviously got a lot more appreciation for Saunders. And I think, though, that, you know, I, I always say, like, Saunders is my favorite villain and that's that. That's Ben. That's a Ben fan. Uh, oh, sounds like it works on this show now, too. Cool. Um, but... <laughs> Um, it's not a copyright sound, so we can play it. But um, the thing is, is that like 
I would now go out and limb and say he is easily the best villain in 24 because, like, there's an argument for the season five villain, which I know people straight away will say, or Nina or something like that. But, like, there's just something with his storyline and how he does it, and it's personal to Jack, and it's done in a realistic way that you feel connected to more so than what we get moving forward. Because season four, great villain, but, like, it's they kind of flick a switch moving forward now where basically villains turn into cartoon villains at a certain point. They're almost Bond villain-esque. And, you know, I love Bond and that sort of stuff. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It fits in their place. But the season five, the main villain who, you know, plot twist happens and boom, there's a villain. There's stuff around that that doesn't hold up once you go into that season knowing that twist. And I'd really look forward to getting to that because I feel like I could be a very unpopular 24 fan when I actually criticize a lot of how it gets delivered. And I think that comes down to the fact that they go over the top. They go cartoony. And season six is just a cartoon in itself. It's a parody. It's a cartoon. Don't get me started. And I'm not up to seven and eight yet to kind of comment comment on those. The Sort of the half villains we get in season five also have their cartoon moments. Saunders is never cartoony. Saunders is grounded. Saunders is realistic. Saunders is personal. Like, and this is where you look at who we had in the first two seasons. Tobin Bell was in it for five minutes and sure, whatever. He's the villain, I guess you say. Um, you know, season two is that obscure season with the does it have a villain or not. Season one, the Drazens, personal to Jack, obviously they've got that great family dynamic. I kind of like this whole family connection with them. But like, Dennis Hopper adds a bit of cartoon and a bit of Bond villain to it, doesn't he? Which is great. I'm not saying that. I, You know how much I ended up appreciating Drazen more and I forget how amazing Drazen is. Even Gaines, those sort of people. But, like, there's just something about Saunders. I just, I would I would argue to the death that Saunders is the most grounded, the best, got the best plan that un- gets unhinged with one stupid thing at the end. There's just all these elements about Saunders to me that tick all the boxes and I'm doing a lot of reading in the last week. Yes, Ben Waterworth's been reading all these lists online, videos online that rank the 24 seasons, and season three gets no love, and it annoys me so much because all they say is, oh, it's kind of weighed down by the Mexican storyline and Jack being a heroin addict, which is dumb. Oh, the ending's okay, but it's kind of forgettable. Fuck off. Like, all these lists have season two at, like, number one or number two or number three on the list. Have you watched that season? Um, so, yeah, anyway, I get on my rants. Saunders is amazing. Shut the fuck up, people who don't like Saunders. Uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely more one over on both Saunders and the season through this rewatch. Uh, I, I'll be curious because the argument for season five villain being the best, my argument for that it would probably be more so, do you hold them at a different level? It's kind of like... You know, who is yeah. your favorite James Bond villain? Can you include yeah. somebody like Blofeld in there, you know? But I like, 100% agree. But my argument is, is that on a first viewing, season five and that twist and that villain is beyond amazing. It mm-hmm. doesn't hold up on a second, third, fourth viewing because you know it. And the thing with that that's an issue is that for, I think it's, 15 episodes, 16 episodes, the character is written and acted a certain way and then when the twist comes, they literally turn them into a Bond villain and it makes no sense because it's like like Nina, the twist with Nina. You can watch mm-hmm. season one knowing that she's evil and you can yeah. see it. There's not yeah. a massive switch with her in episode 24. We're like, this is so unbelievable. What? This is not her character. You see it. Whereas this character in season five, and I'm not saying it's all bad. It's not like it, it gets to a point where it's great, but it's just, there's a, a string of about three or four episodes there where you, you're literally going, 
this doesn't make sense because this there was no clues to this earlier. And on a rewatch, when you know that that person is evil, it doesn't make sense either. That's my argument with season five. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you. The level of evil that that person is, it's like, okay, that's a different level. And to add to that, it's without spoiling it, it is a character that we kind of had built outside of this before, whereas somebody like Saunders or Drazen or Kingsley, they have to be dropped into the show. This is your villain. And that's their arc. They don't have the luxury of having a character built before or in the other one's case afterwards as well. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, We get this amazing scene. This is one of my two top five moments in this uh, episode. This was in my top 25. I think this was 24 on my top 24 moments of 24 at that point. The uh, Jack basically shoving Jane into this hotel and it's just like it's it's epic plot hole. How do the helicopters like arrive basically next to each other at the same time? And Saunders is like, "Huh, Jane, what's she doing here? Like, were you not flying next to the helicopters? Like, was this not in unison?" Also, love to see the Chandler Plaza hotels finally actually set up a quarantine with bubbles and everything. Good for them. Um, but basically, Jack's here, and you. I remember watching this for the first time, and like, oh, Jack's going to put him in the hotel. Fair enough. That's a bit mean. Uh, and then Saunders is like, no, I'm willing to die for my cause. And Jack's like, damn it, Saunders, where are the vials? Where are the vials? And then Jane comes in and is like, oh, hello, Jane, what's going on? You're still acting shit? Sweet. Uh, and then Jack is basically right in front of Saunders. I'm going to put Jane in this hotel and you are going to watch her die. And this has always annoyed me in the fact that this is his downfall, that his whole, like, I'm willing to die for my cause. You kill Jane, kill whoever, kill Meryl Streep, kill the Pope, whatever. <laughs> Just don't kill the Queen. That's regicide. Um, <laughs> regicide. But, but like... <laughs> Again, I think I'm just seeing this with a new lens on this rewatch and the fact that just it's just that acting and you kind of see it in him. I think that seems very important when he talks to Jane before this scene because you see inklings of him, like, wavering a little bit. So, And you really see this here. Like, she's getting shoved into the bubble, doing good acting this week, Jane. Good for her. Um, and then just I love Saunders here when he's just struggling and he's just like, let her go, Jack. Let And I love that line, as I said before, like, you will listen to me. Like, you know, he's still at that point, like, being like, I'm in charge here. I'm in control. Jack, he was subtle and amazing here. Like, everything that happens to her is on you. And you, you have know, done that yourself. You have done that yourself. You got barbecue sauce on my robe. You have done <laughs> that yourself. Um, just epic. Jack chokes him. You know, Wayne, is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? Yes, he grabs him by the throat. Um, and just epic. And then finally, someone is like, all right, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Subtle moment where you see Jack kind of close his eyes and he's like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm not having to kill an innocent girl. Again, this is just one of those Jack will do anything scenes, which is just epic. And from there, we we find out that basically we've got 11 people across the country who will have to deliver the vials by midday. They're all in highly populated areas. Uh, there are GPS codes, which Saunders has memorized himself. Uh, they're all in his head and he can call them off, basically. Um, oh, so amazing. Please tell me you love this scene as much as I love this scene. You, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not. I'm not ah. knocking this. The scene is fantastic. No, but what what would hold it back for me from being a top five scene is that we have seen this done better in season two with the family of what's his name, uh, Syed oh, Ali's I family. Disagree. I, I disagree. No, I, I, the, the Syed Ali's family, the fake death thing. To me, that that can't be beat. Uh, and this is good. Uh, I I think that again, my issues with Saunders. It, it, this is definitely. <coughs> <coughs> he makes your issues are that um, you've got to the Codilla virus and you yeah, choke exactly. halfway through. 
Uh, but he's bleeding. It's it's definitely an issue that it's like, oh, well, his love for Jane is what brings him down. But it's the fact that he didn't think that through. That's my problem with him. You know, I think I feel like his reaction to the Jane thing here is good, especially the fact that he holds out. He holds out longer than I thought he would. Uh, I, you know, it's not just, oh, OK, I'll tell you what you want. Like it is the last minute. Um, I do wonder with this, though, did Jack just turn Jane into a terrorist? Because she was questioning in the previous episode. Oh, so the government betrayed him. Um, you know, did they betray him? Does he have reason to be upset? And Jack says, well, you well, never there's see her again after this scene. So yeah, and he just <laughs> threw her in, was willing to throw her in there. Guaranteed at this point, Jane is joining with her dad. Season uh, 10. Her dad goes That's the storyline. Yeah. She's picking up. I'd be down for that. That'd be cool. <laughs> it's it, I don't know if it'd be cool, but <laughs> it, it would make sense. He definitely just made a terrorist. He definitely made her a terrorist. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I love the way the scene plays out. I love how long it goes on for her fighting like this is Jane's the actress plays Jane. This is her redeeming moment. This is what saves me from saying she is as bad. Brad Hammett is an actor uh, because Brad her panic Hammett. feels very real here. And maybe if Brad Hammond had a moment where he could panic, he'd deliver a performance like this as well. Uh, but uh, it's fantastic. I mean, Kiefer just going to these, you, you need that moment of Jack. We've seen him go on heroin, break a man out of prison Play, uh, what's it called? Russian roulette. Don't play the flute. <laughs> what? The recorder. <laughs> that long lost episode of 24. Damn it, Chloe, get me the thing. Give me the flute. <laughs> what's that? The anchor, anchor man when he plays the flute. I don't know. <laughs> We've seen Jack. We've seen Jack play the flute. Play the flute. <laughs> That's his Tinder profile. <laughs> Likes taquitos and playing the flute. <laughs> Surely there's a picture. Like he's a musical man. Is there a, if I t- if I Google keep a Sutherland flute, you are making that our, our picture of the week on Instagram. No, no, I've done too much of that this week. Keep a Sutherland flute. Um, sadly, not a picture of him with the flute. So, oh, um, too bad. Oh, oh, oh well. Um. Yeah, do do we want to talk about the the eleventh vial? Is that where we find out here? Oh, is that no, later I'll get on? to that. I'll I'll, I'll okay. get to that in a second. I just wanted to cap it at this scene just because. Yeah, this. So I mean, good. this is the best scene of the episode. I'm gonna include Ooh. the. Well, I'm gonna include our spoiler, you know, or our death at the end. The, Sherry this, dies. I've said it like five times already in this episode. <laughs> I think what makes the difference is that yeah, Sherry's death is such an incredible moment, but. Again, you have those question marks in your head, like, so, like, this is how it happens? Like, I have a bit of an issue with how that happens, whereas this, it is such a powerful scene from start to finish. It's right up there with Michelle shooting that guy, but I would put, I'd probably put Michelle shooting, you know, random hotel guests uh, in the leg a little bit higher than this as well. I, oh, no, no way. Um, I disagree with Sherry, too. I, I, like, I see what you're saying with the, um, the what's-his-face seen um in season two but the thing i have about that is he's a guy that we've known for like one episode and like yeah okay jack's willing to kill children you sort of see it but they thing i remember with that scene is that it was spread over like two or three moments it wasn't just one continuous scene so it kind of built in a certain way with the emotions this to me 
is so much different because like we've we know Jane, we know Saunders at this point, uh, and we just we know everything about the virus. Like it's kind of I don't know. There's just something more about this to me than that. I yeah, no, I, I I don't and, agree. And again, it's it's all very close, but I really feel like this scene is a combination of the Syed Ali's family scene. I'm gonna bluff until I can't bluff no more uh, to get the the confession of a person, and then a combination of how far is one of our heroes willing to go that we had with Michelle. For me, I think what makes a difference is the Syed Ali thing. That there's the twist to that where you're like, "Ooh, I never saw that coming." And with Michelle's, we see her pull. She she would have been the one to shove Jane in the building. They're like, "Too late, already did." The it. thing they they sort of repeat this in a scene in season five, but the difference is, is it kind of plays out in a way that you're not expecting, and I I love it what they do with that. Um, and it brings us a hilarious facial expression too. So there is that as well. Um, so the sort of the next scene is where you're talking here. So this is where Jack's sort of like just having a powwow with Saunders. Like these are where the vials are. Um, basically they're all in the cities, the one in the last one's in LA and, um, you know, whatever this guy's name is and, uh, yeah, we're going to find him. And, uh, basically they're told to go to a, uh, populated area, which I mean, what, this is a slight little nitpick, but it's like, surely a guy with this meticulous planning doesn't just like randomly hire a terrorist. Just go where there's a lot of people. Like surely you're going to turn around and be like, okay, we'll go to like West LA mall, go to Santa Monica, go to Disneyland. Like, you know what I mean? Like just go somewhere with like a lot of people. What's a lot of people for LA? Like a thousand people are here. Like I get it. You want to spread the virus, but you know, this is like Dr. Evil, like rather than make millions, couldn't we make a billions? Like, you know, like go, go to like a fucking Lakers game or something like that. Um, it was 2000 and oh, I guess post 9-11, there was some security back then. Um, so they're going to find this guy. And I love how like Saunders says, oh, this is, I don't know, uh, fucking Jack Smiggins, uh, probably a fake name. But then like next minute later, Adam's on the computer. Yes, I found Jack Smiggins. Here he is. Um, so it's like, oh, was his real name? What a surprise. Um, so they're going to hunt down. <laughs> I know his name's not Jack Smiggins, but that's the Oz Network's go-to name. Uh, so they're going to go looking for Jack Smiggins. Um, and, oh, actually, I love the bit where Jack is basically with Saunders and Saunders is like, okay, I'll tell you where all the vials are, but I want, like, safe passage out of the country uh, and I want to go to North Africa. And Jack's like, never going to happen. I have a massive problem with this show in future seasons, how, like, literally every terrorist can just go, yeah, I just want immunity. Okay. Um, like it's God, I'm going to commit crimes. I'm going to go murder about 50,000 people and call up the president. Hey, Joe, what's up? Um, he, he doesn't remember half the shit he does anyway, does he, Joe? He's probably pardoned everyone in the last five weeks, but he doesn't have COVID. Um, so Jack and Chase are on the chase on the case. Chloe's on the phone like, oh, Jack Smiggins is above you. And I, I remember watching this for the first time too, going like, oh, like where is the car? Like it's kind of confusing, but then it's kind of obvious when they turn around and go like, Oh, actually, uh, he's underneath you. So they're sort of traveling along. They've got uh, this this map thing going on, and then you realize that Jack Smiggins is on the metro. He's on the train, uh, which, again, seems really, really obvious. So they rush down into the subway, and we just get this epically great scene. I love, love, love this sequence where essentially it's kind of like a, a spy-off, essentially, where you've got... Jack on the chair, he's just chilling, reading a newspaper. Chase has got his hand in his pockets. He's on the case. He's walking down the stairs, playing with his ear. Stop touching your ear. And uh, as he goes down, they're sort of looking here, and they've got the tracker on this device, essentially. Chloe's got the power to stop trains because Chloe's a smart woman. Uh, and the train pulls into the station, 
And then they're all looking at this GPS tracking device, essentially. They're going, where is it? Where is it? And they're saying, target's moving north, target's moving south, target's moving east. And then basically, Chloe, uh, Chase asks Chloe, can you see if it's got a, a GPS for going up or downstairs, essentially? And uh, yes, I can see it. It's going upstairs. So then they're watching along, watching along, and then they still can't see this person. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they're going down the stairs uh, towards you, Jack. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, the, the signal stopped. He's right there. He's right in front of you. And then we see this man staring at the uh, the map of the LA subway system. And as he's looking at it, Jack and Chase move in. They're on the case. They get this guy. They tackle him. He's on the ground. They're basically looking at him going, give me the give me the vials. You're, you're evil. And he's all like, that's not mine. I've never seen that before. And then they realize that uh, Jack Smiggins has ditched the tracker and he's on the run. And they're all like, fuck, where has he gone? And then all of a sudden they're going to close down the entire station. I love this. It's just like it's James Bondian. It's Mission Impossible. It's spy-ish. It's like, where is he? What's going on? Sure, there are plot holes of how they could set this operation up so quickly. I'm not going to nitpick on all that sort of stuff. But, like, it's just, it's epic. Like, it's so good. Uh, and, let's, again, it's sort of the cliffhanger of, like, you. it's not like all of a sudden you cut. Like, it's often will 24 will do this is they will cut to the real person in the crowd so we know what they look like and we can see that they've gotten away. We don't even know what they look like as an audience. Yeah. So this is the, the cliffhanger of, like, oh, my God, where are they? Uh, like, it's just, it's so good. This is This, to me, is the first Chloe that we get moving forward this is not snarky chloe this is not annoying chloe this is just chloe on the computer stopping trains doing what she does um so i, I love that too. just everything about this scene is amazing i love the ending of this storyline and this is why this episode is so good as well because this scene is an underrated scene is there a moment too where they, they say can you access the disaster response or whatever for the subways and she says yes they've given me permission like i want to know yeah, what that what chat I- was hello can I please it's, take over your trains? That's why I love like Chloe being because like the thing that it's a very 24 thing. And again, it's a TV show. Again, they've got to get things done quickly, but the access that this company, this organization has in two seconds, like again, mm-hmm. like I've accessed their system. They're allowing me to stop the train. So she's literally open 2000 and what four, five internet, whatever we are now. She's literally okay. Metro system. G'day Jenkins. How you doing? Uh, CTU Los Angeles. Stop train. Okay. Like, I mean, I could hack on. I mean, I don't know how to hack, but I'm sure it's not that hard. Angelina Jolie did it. So you could like, you know, dilly, 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 dilly. Uh, g'day, um, Winnipeg Transit. Ben here um, from Winnipeg Counter-Terrorist Unit. Um, please stop the bus. Okay. Um, like, it's so quick. Like, Jesus. I wanted to get like an out of office. I'm sorry. I'm away from my uh, computer. Yeah. I'm, away from my, I'm away from the office for the next three days. J- Jenkins is... <laughs> Jenkins has gone to get a, a granola bar. He's hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the chase scene is fantastic. And I, I love that Jack's storyline is really split up into two completely different things because in most episodes, we get, you know, scene A, scene B, C, C, scene C, scene D, E, or whatever. And they and all the kind stroke? of loosely connect. <laughs> uh, burnt toast. Oh, no. Uh, but uh, it, it basically is like we play have. The flute. <laughs> play the flute. <laughs> Uh, we basically have, you know, we're going to get the information out of Saunders, the whole throw Jane into the lion's den. And then that ends. And then suddenly it's like, okay, it is, it is the spy stuff. It's the the chase on the subway. And I hadn't even thought about that. Cause I, I don't think I was as high on this as you were. I wasn't like, well, this is one of the best action scenes, but when you mentioned like, we don't know what Raven looks like, 
that that's really what makes this. And I hadn't even really thought about that. Um, we have the name of somebody and they're out there. We don't have an identification. It is very cheesy though, where they have like, Oh, we've only got the top half of his face. Okay. So send me the top half of his face. Okay, I can go like this. I can cover the, cover the chin. Yeah. That kind of looks like him. We, we have like a slowly revealing, I mean, fear eyes only the identigraph. They were able to come up with Locke's picture in about a minute and a half while eating a banana. <laughs> Here in this movie, Adam is like slowly buffering the picture. It's yeah, the technology odd. is never consistent on this show, is it? Like one minute they can pick up Terrace on the shoulder in the back of a car. Next minute, we've got half yeah. a face. We don't know what he looks like. <laughs> but it's the half of the face that matters. That's what bothers me. It's like, we don't have an image of him yet. Yes, you do. You just are missing the chin. That's, that's all he needs. Uh, but I mean, still, yeah, it is exciting because we don't know who this guy is and we know we're going to have one episode left and we have no idea who this guy is, how dangerous it is. And I also love that they don't know at the end of this. Okay. Well, it's just a, a, a transmitter or whatever. Okay. So did he get word to the other couriers? We don't know. We have that slow build of We got the first one. They showed on video. And then the second vial, they take down, you know, Cincinnati or whatever. It's like, all right, well, we just heard about this. And now we know they've gotten some of them. We don't know if they've gotten all of them. And this guy could have gotten the word out. This is actually one of the better cliffhangers, even though there is not, it's not like it's the most action packed thing ever. I mean, the real cliffhanger is still to come, but you want to leave the audience anticipating, okay, there's a guy, we don't know who he is. We don't know what he looks like, except for the top half of his face. Uh, he may have released the vial already. He may have not released the vial. He may have told the other people that we haven't captured yet to replace their transmitters to release their vials or who knows like there's so much uncertainty like this is the perfect way to actually build for a finale and i haven't really talked too much about the fact this is a penultimate episode and to me we've talked length on many of our shows about how the penultimate episode is often more important than the finale uh again reiterate i'm up to season six of my speed watch right now this is the best penultimate episode we will have uh i mean because the next three uh on varying i mean season four i'll say this right now to me the penultimate episode better than the finale controversial but that's my opinion season five the penultimate (coughs) episode i binned it season six the penultimate episode could possibly be one of the worst episodes in 24 history so uh make the most of a very good penultimate episode here next season good penultimate episode not saying it's a bad one but then five and six not very good penultimate episodes in my eyes but this is a, a solid penultimate episode. I keep saying penultimate. That sounds like a weird word. Um, it's obviously not season one penultimate episode. Uh, but we also, I think, last season weren't too high on the penultimate episode, were we? So, um, yeah, because that was a car crash, heart attack one. Yeah, rent. I'm seeing here. Rented last season's uh, penultimate episode. Obviously bought season one because that's uh, up there as one of the best episodes in the series. And based on my rankings after six seasons, I can tell you that this is the second best penultimate episode after six seasons. So that's in Ben Waterworth's eyes. And that's our Ben fact. I'm just um, impressed you were able to say penultimate that many times without flubbing it. I know. I'm, I'm good at doing things on multiple occasions. It just depends on who I'm with. And you're one of those people <laughs> that makes me perform well. Um, Sherry Palmer drama. Oh, sad. Uh, so, uh, anything to add? Sorry on anything else. I know you just kind of went on no. a thing, but if there's anything you missed with Jack, we've got no, Jack, no, off. <laughs> Jack off. Jack's, Jack's done. We broke his toe. Let's move on. Yep. Yep. Masturbation joke, Colin. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that what that was? Both audience members got that. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, if only we okay, could. Okay, can I say actually? Can I say this because I, no, I, I mentioned it last week. But I know I mentioned this last week. I kind of want to talk about it now with with Tony's plan. Um, so, what changes in Tony's mind? I'm talking about what is his motivation. What changes if Tony decides I'm going to let Saunders get away? break Jane out to give him what he wants. Otherwise he's going to kill Michelle. What changes if he just simply goes to Jack and says, listen, we can still get Saunders, you know, but he's got Michelle. Can you just buy me some time? They're about to get Saunders. So what does it matter that Michelle is held captive or he goes to Jack and says, can you go along with this plan? Can we plan an operation to fake an exchange with Jane for Michelle? And then we take out Saunders. Cause we saw the way it came down. All you need is the location. You get the location. You have your team in place. Nothing changes if, if, if Tony just goes to Jack and says, this is the plan, other than the fact that maybe he doesn't trust Jack, but he planned this operation with him secretly for a year. And then if you had just said, no, we're about to capture you anyways, which he would have known. It's just, to, to me, Tony's logic of breaking Jane out kind of just has a hole in it now for me. Yeah, like I agree. And I think as I mentioned last week with that though, like it, it comes down to the characters because, again, that's the argument in season one. Why doesn't Jack just tell someone about Terry and Kim and then get some help? I think, I mean, it's much more intriguing in season one because we're learning about these characters as we go on. But, like, I think it just comes down to the characters. Like, they're emotional and they they don't think – they're not thinking. Like, I don't know about you, Colin. I don't know if you've got any emotions. Um, But, like <laughs> – Very little. <laughs> very little. Like, I've got emotions, too many of them. Um, Don't – I don't recommend it. But, like – there have been times in my life where I am not thinking clearly because I am emotionally in a headspace. So I'm not logically in a place where I'm sure you or anybody would be saying to me, Ben, do this. And I'm like, no, no, I'm emotional. Um, every episode and of the show. And that's how we started shit. the Oz Network. Exactly. And that's why it's so crap. If Colin had started this, it would be a successful podcast. Uh, <laughs> Max Dawson would like us. Um, but actually, no, Max Dawson doesn't exist because we're cancelled. Remember that. We're cancelled. Um, racist. Ben, stop being racist. Max will get angry at you and rub his beard on your neck. Um, <laughs> Play the flute. <laughs> Max Dawson is a flute. Let's be honest. He is the flute of survival. What? I mean, no disrespect to people who play the flute. It's a pretty instrument. But, I mean... Max isn't a pretty man, so I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm I going. I told you this. before my my issue, and you're, you're probably going to agree with me now. But at the time, I'm like, oh, controversial opinion. My issue with instruments has always been the ukulele, uh, which we're on board. Ukulele players suck. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, one of the Canadian ukulele players. Yuki's. Well, that's what we like I, to call them here is Yuki's. W- one of the two girls in the background of me in New York uh, played the ukulele and she was okay. Oh, Ben uh, has a type. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Like, I, you know how, like, you've got these people who are really into musicians? Like, it's a, it's a mainly a female thing. Um, they're really into, like, oh, drummers and not bass players. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what women think. I'm <laughs> single. But, um, but, like, I don't think anybody sits around and goes, oh, yeah, play the ukulele. Like, I'm like... <laughs> I can see some musicians are hot. Shirley Manson, hot. Avril Lavigne, with a disease or not, hot. Celine Dion, hot. Madonna, hot. Like, they're what, musicians. What, they're Celine Dion? What? Celine Dion's hot. Come on. <laughs> what? What's wait, wrong wait. with Celine I, I Dion? Def- I definitely disagree on Madonna. I do not get Madonna. But Madonna is at least known for her, you know, sex? sexual nature. It's a sex, right? What she sells. 
I don't know if I've ever heard anybody in my life be like Celine Dion, hot. <laughs> but like, are you trying to imply that you can only like a woman if they're like sexual? Like, no, no, not at all. But I'm saying like Madonna, at least she has that following. I don't know if Celine Dion is anybody's go-to. Oh yeah, that's a woman there. <laughs> Ian Dion, when before he died, Ian, good old Ian Dion. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, so you, 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 if Madonna and Celine Dion walked into your room right now naked, you would choose Madonna? Probably, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good for you. So, I mean, Celine, what's up? No, Celine. Lee, she's attractive. I'd give her a crack. <laughs> she's single now too. Ian's been but dead I, for a few years. It's, it's, it's not just the fact that you're like, oh, you know, uh, Celine Dion. Like, I'd give her a crack. It's, you're running through what's like female musicians that are hot. Shirley Manson, Avril Lavigne, Celine Dion. That's like the top tier right there. <laughs> I would, I would, I would rank Celine Dion attractiveness over. I let's think of five random singers. Uh, Taylor Swift definitely hotter than Taylor Swift. Um, Beyonce, sorry, like I just don't see it. Celine Dion, I would take Rihanna. Uh, she's yeah, probably Rihanna. Um, I don't know who else. Uh, Shirley Bassey. Yep, sorry, Shirley, you're a legend. <laughs> But you, you know, Celine Dion uh, over Shirley Bassey, sex-wise, like not singing-wise. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about having relations with them, wow. Colin. Uh, that's four. Who's a fifth one? Um, oh, rest in peace. But Olivia Newton-John. I mean, overrated on the looks. Oh, department. they're going to say the Queen. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> a woman. Um, you know, what a singer. I pulled bloody oath. Uh, God save the queen. God save me. Do you think when she sang the national anthem, she'd be like, God save our gracious me. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope so. Is that how it works? Um, no, I, will, anyway, I will give you one, though. I will give you one. I would probably take Celine Dion over Cheryl Crow, though. <laughs> Ooh. For female musicians, Cheryl Crow is like, yeah, good singer. I like her music, but no. <laughs> uh, Cheryl Crow's got something about her. I'd, I'd go there. Shania Twain, don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking Canadian right now. Alanis Morissette or Celine Dion? <sighs> Probably Alanis Morissette, but I mean, really? Again, like th- th- these are your top tiers. <laughs> well, I didn't say like this isn't Natalie Portman tier of women. <laughs> I'm trying to start talk musicians and you. Why are we talking about ukuleles and musicians and flutes and shit? Max Dawson, <laughs> stop fucking our episodes up. Every time your name comes up, shit gets shit. All right, just the epitome yeah. of shit is Max Dawson. Um, <laughs> Ben's rant seventy three brought to you by Max's balls. Max Max Dawson's balls. Okay. Um. <laughs> no, Max Verstappen's balls. Yes, Max Dawson's <laughs> balls. Which Max are we talking about here? Um, I Max no idea. from twenty four, maybe. Well, hey, that guy's got some balls. That, um, he's got some balls. I take him over Celine Dion. I, I don't know um, what we're going with here and how we got there. I just I saw breaking news to date this episode. Roger don't Federer. Don't kill anybody. An- Roger Federer just announced his retirement. That's sad. He's not oh. dead. But, you know, uh, Chloe DeFerla point, Roger Federer, two days back to back. Sports has taken a hit. I know, hasn't it? I'd like to announce my retirement from professional sports. It's been a journey. Max Dawson um, wins. Oh, just sports? Okay. Sports? Oh, God, Max Dawson wins? That's a sentence that's never been uttered in the history of anything. Max Dawson well, you, wins. You, 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 like you, said <laughs> you said that your, uh, I guess, sports slash position of expertise was a goalie, right? When I played uh, field hockey, yes. That's yeah, that one yeah, sport. Yeah. I wasn't a goalie in everything. Okay, so, so the goalies around the world can now rejoice. Because a spot is opened up. <laughs> oh. The most prestigious spot is opened up. You're in. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Because, again, I went 
very deep with my plays. Um, so, Dave, have we even started on the Palmer stuff? I don't know what we got with this. David <laughs> called because you were talking about Tony <laughs> and the where would it have gone with? And yeah. sure, anyway. So, old Huggy Bear David. Um, so Wayne and uh, what's his what's this guy called again? Our, our guy that we like. Um, uh, uh, Hopkins, Foxton, Hopkins, 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 Jack Smiggins <laughs> is back. There he is. <laughs> um, so they're waiting outside. They've got to distract Sherry. So David rings up Sherry and is all like, "Hey, baby, how you doing?" Uh, and I'm like, "I love fucking." You talk about last week Sherry with an OJ. I love Sherry sitting here having a sunbake with a diary next to her, and then she sees like the caller ID and she's like, "No, oh, David." What do you want, David? I'm just chilling out here in my sunny Malibu home. Um, and David's all like, hey, so I want to offer you a seat at the table, uh, but let's do it in person. Let's meet in uh, this park. And I love how Sherry's like, like Palmer's like, oh, yes, it's a baseball diamond at Ralph Jenkins Park. And I love Sherry's like, I know that one. <laughs> and uh, well played by David here, though, when he's like, move me in 25 minutes. That's short notice. Like, I'm the president. I can't just change away my schedule in five seconds. What are you talking about? Um, so, and then Wayne and uh, Bubkus are outside and getting ready to go in. Um, so eventually Sherry leaves because, you know, Sherry's got to keep the president waiting. And who's going to call uh, Wayne while uh, they're sitting in the car? Oh, it's Julia. There she is. She's back. Remember her? I was. Uh, I actually was wondering because for the last couple weeks, I was thinking to myself like, I'm pretty sure that she comes back. But then it came down to this episode, and I'm like, well, maybe I was wrong. No, she definitely comes back. So uh, here she is, Wayne. I'm scared. What's going on? And like, I, I okay. So you kind of alluded to what you think of this death, and you know, is it worthy of it? Like, I think I used to feel that way, but I'm so on board with this death, and I just this is definitely a scene which you don't really pay attention to because. Again, I remember watching this the first time going like, oh, cool, Julia's still around. Yay, all right, great. But it's obviously going to be quite important because Wayne just blows her off here because uh, Sherry leaves and Wayne's just sort of like, oh, yeah, cool, all right, great. Yeah, you go do suits. Say hi to Meghan Markle for me. Bye. Um, and off goes Sherry. Uh, you loved me once. That was uh, Julia, not Sherry. That would be awkward. The Sherry Wayne David. Ooh, that's that plot that we didn't <laughs> see coming. Yeah, she's nutritious and delicious to all the Palmers. Um, so, uh, Boxel head here and Wayne go into the house. I love Sherry's house. Can I just say that again? I want to live in Sherry's house. And uh, they're going she around. Get, and- she got this after committing treason. So, maybe exactly. Tony's going to be okay. Well, he won't I, be. I, we know next season. Well, wait till you see his apartment next season and you tell me if it's the same as this. Uh- <laughs> so, but I love, I, lo- I love Wayne's line here. Again, future president of the United States, Wayne Palmer. I'm chief of staff to the president of the United States and I'm committing a burglary. Um, <laughs> I want you to remember Wayne Palmer saying that when it comes to what he does in season five. Uh, basically robs a bank in season five, but that's okay. He's just, as long as he doesn't commit burglary, then that's the main thing, right? Um, actually, one thing really quickly I forgot to mention with the Jack stuff is I love it when they're showing all the different vials getting captured around the country. So you see like Denver and Vegas and you can see the NYPD in New York. Like it's kind of a cool little thing there, which I like that. Anyway, I forgot to mention that. So um, they're going through Sherry's apartment. They're, we should mention they're obviously trying to find the the pill case that basically is the evidence that shows that Sherry withheld the pills from Alan Melican uh, and that this is what she's holding over Palmer's head by going to Keeler. So uh, they're searching the house. 
I love this scene with Sherry and David. Uh, Aaron's in the background. There he is, Aaron. Mm-hmm. He's in every season, Aaron, except for season eight. There's a fun fact for you, but you didn't know that. Glenn Morshaw, what a man. Um, although, just look forward to the day when you see Aaron buying Martha fruit. Pretty, uh, <laughs> what a scene. Top five, season Top five. six scene. Um, anyway, so uh, Sherry meets David in this park. It's it's not up there with the ballroom scene in season one. And no, I'm not going to put this up as a top five, but I still like this scene. So pa- David's all like, Sherry, I'm going to offer you this seat. You're going to be basically an aide. You're going to have like a high level privileges and you're going to walk around with world leaders and look good in a frock. And basically Sherry's like, are you kidding me? This is all you want. I'm leaving. I'm like, what do you want, Sherry? Damn it, woman. What do you want? It's like, I want to be your wife again, David. I want to be your wife. Damn it, David. You're tearing me apart. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's really not that overdramatic. It's actually a really good scene. And then like the thing that I like love about this is I love like David, how he's just kind of like, okay, Sherry. And again, like I remember watching this at the time going like, what? Like, I like I kind of forgot that he's like playing her and like getting there to distract it. So I just love that David like literally is playing her to the point where he's just like, okay, Sherry, like <laughs> Anne and I have broken up, so let's get back together. And then yeah. again, an added layer of epicness is you've got Sherry and she's like, oh, David, David, oh, let's do me now in the park. And then she just like, and Penny Johnson Gerald just sells this, just his look on her face where she's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> No, you're into white women now. This is yeah. um so and I I love it when she's she's just basically like, no, like I, I don't know what you're doing, but something's off here. Uh I guarantee you one thing. John Keeler will be the next president of the United States. Sherry, smart woman, she's correct. Um, so she leaves and they also again, what's great about this scene is like you think David's gonna be like, No, Sherry, damn it, woman, you know, talk to me, but why? Uh but he just lets her go. And then he just gets on the phone and he's just like, yeah, Wayne, sorry. Um, you know, I would have had to sleep with her to keep her here. Which, again, <laughs> remember that for a penultimate episode of season five when another character has to stall someone and we get the creepiest sex scene in all of 24. Ooh. Um, so anyway, uh, I mean, I might Fox pause it in here. Ed. I'll, I'll pause it here just because there's obviously going to be a bit to talk about at the end rather than just lumping everything, everything together. Do you have anything to add on what we're here? So, I mean, this is, I love this no, scene. Just, I love this scene. Just wondering the last ever David and Sherry scene we ever get. Oh, you think, but who knows? Guaranteed uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the last David and Sherry scene we ever get. Is there is there a silent clock? Uh, we don't know. No, uh, I'm sad we don't get a silent clock for Sherry. Uh, Doesn't now, warrant one though. Probably. I can't remember. I can't remember whether the. the well, I guess you're still going to talk about the death scene separately, right? Yeah, that's. I want to cap here because there's going to be the stuff to cover at the end. Okay. Uh, first of all, I love that uh, David's excuse to Sherry. Now it sounds plausible, but again, Sherry is like Saunders. She should be one step ahead of him, and his excuse for you know you're going to meet me in person, and it's like uh, no, David, you can discuss this over the phone. He goes. I'm the president of the United States and I have a schedule to keep. So meet me at this abandoned park. Shouldn't you be asking like, what's on your itinerary at an abandoned park? Because that's what his excuse, his excuse is essentially. I have places to be and you're going to meet me at those places. Because if I, if I deviate from my schedule, people are going to ask questions. But like he has grounded all air traffic. He's told people stay home. Like his speech did not say stay home, stay safe and play baseball. Cause it's American <laughs> and we're American. <laughs> it makes no sense why he would have anything going on at some public baseball park. Uh, that's where he's going to meet Sherry. 
Uh, but we do see at the end of this episode, like Sherry kind of is on to him. Like she, she knows enough. They're like, oh, there, there could be something going on. Let me let me grab the scotch tape here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the scene between them is fantastic. It's the perfect ending to their relationship. I should hate it more, the fact that it really does come out. Even when you said that last week, I'm like, was that really part of her? I just thought this was, oh, I want back in. But her saying, no, I still love you, David. It really should bother me that it ultimately comes down to, no, I, just, I love you, David. I want you back. And when you kind of tease that last week, I'm like, oh, I don't think I like that. But I, this is just one of these things where, where kind of like you were saying with Saunders, like you see a hint of something where you can interpret it differently and it maybe change your perspective. I'm reading this as this is Sherry, not necessarily even saying she's in love with David, but it's like, hey, you know what? It makes I, sense for me to be the first lady too. Like it's still a play with her. It's maybe not necessarily this all comes down to I want my husband back, but well, I can have my cake and eat it too. You know, I best of both worlds. I, I disagree. I think this is exactly that it's shown that all along she's still being in love with him. And sort of like, as we talked about earlier, and then we talked about last season, like she wanted revenge against David. She held that grudge because she did that divorce and yeah, she's powerful, hungry, and power hungry and that sort of stuff. But to me, she's always still being in love with him and she's always wanted oh, him back. I'm so not, I, yeah, I think it's a I'm perfect ending that. to that arc with these two. I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is if, if it ultimately that was her, that was her end game, I need to get David back, then it kind of invalidates everything that she's done before this because where was that in the last two seasons? What I like better about I, this I, is that, it, yeah, like what I like better at it is that that, no, power is number one for her, and this is number two. She's like, hey, if I can have both, now's my chance. Let me let me try it. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that it's um it's a perfect ending for these two because I think it's it's maybe I've undersold the fact that this is literally the last two this last scene between these two, and I mean they've been particularly Palmer's obviously been such a big deal going back to that chapter thing we've talked about about how the first chapter Palmer is equal second you know, to, to uh, probably mm -hmm. with Tony uh, behind Jack in the first three seasons and Kim probably. Um, so, you know, so significant. And I think, again, me defending season one about how important that season is, is we love Palmer mainly, I think, because of that personal connection. to season. If Palmer's brought in season two as the president and we'd never seen him before season two, I don't ever think we love him as much as we do. And we've pointed out he's a pretty shit president, but like, mm -hmm. You still love him and you will still vote him no matter what as the greatest president in 24 and one of the best on TV because he is and Dennis Haysbert does a, such a good job. So I think my point with that is is that because Sherry is such a part of Palmer and because Sherry was so important in season one, I, I will go out on a limb and say to me Sherry's death is more significant and more, I want to say, emotional and makes you feel more than Nina's. And I just think because they explored more with Sherry and I think because Sherry, just the way she did stuff with David always felt like more sinister or more something else than Nina. Nina just always felt like, oh, Nina's back. Nina's evil. We get it. You know what I mean? Whereas like, I don't know. To me, I just, I, I, I feel this, I feel more for this, what we're about to get and this last scene between these two than I do with anything to do with Nina's death earlier this season. Uh, one thing that I really have to question though is like when, uh, Armis number two, uh, what's it, Foxton, when, when, uh, box, boxler or whatever you call him, when him and Wayne are breaking in. Now, I already was questioning, okay, I know she wasn't technically the former first lady, but 
guaranteed she still has some type of secret service coverage right like we're, we're gonna get into martha in future uh, seasons right? no because i don't think senator i don't think senators do um, but 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 she was when he was the presidential candidate i mean there's got to be something bodyguard anything and, and especially coming off of season two with everything that happened like she's but got ex- she's paying on her own dollar for a bodyguard yeah but like i think Look at there's this but there's discrepancies like uh, like if Melania woke up tomorrow and finally left Donald, I think as, as a thing, if they split up and get divorced, she automatically loses like rights to pensions and secret service and stuff like that. Like if you but, get divorced afterwards and they were married. So I, I again, I don't know this based on what I, the limited knowledge I know off the top of my head, I could be wrong, but. Bare yeah. minimum, Penny Johnson Gerald has an alarm system. because <laughs> They yeah. just open the door and walk in like, why is she not having an alarm? Like this is, this is the, the former almost first lady of the president of the United States. She's had dealings with some of the scummiest people. Co- Colin, <laughs> Colin, let me just point out one thing. All right. CTU gets broken into in this series about 58,000 times and they are the <laughs> counter terrorist unit preventing terrorism. And yet they get broken into. So uh, as much as I agree with you with a plot hole, <laughs> it is a plot hole. We're meant to believe that CTU can get broken into how many times? So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, security in LA in the two thousands renowned shit. Um, yeah, <laughs> let, let's be honest. I also, I love Foxton though, uh, where, I mean, I know you're going to get there in a minute. Like when, when Sherry's coming back and he's like, oh, I didn't come this far to bail out now. Like that's where I really start liking Foxton. So good. Cause I love this sequence where they're, they're rushing and all of a sudden like, oh, we can't find anything. And we find like this secret cellar. Of course, Sherry's got like a secret cellar basement <laughs> thing. And the same, like, I think the biggest plot hole of this episode is it gets there and it's like, Oh, it's a, a PJ712 safe. They're uncrackable. But I've got a friend down in maintenance who knows a couple of uh, codes that are just, you know, just in yeah. case that they need. Like, if they're unbreakable, why do they have some emergency codes which you can just pay off Lenny down at maintenance to give to you on the phone? Like, it's <laughs> okay. Um, so Sherry's coming home and, oh, no, and they open the safe and, they're not there. So, like, like DB Woodside, fantastic. He was just like, no, like, come on, damn it, we're going to get out of here. And I love Fox in here. I love that line when he's just like, I didn't come this far to just turn away. Like, this guy's a maniac. I, I want to see him return with fucking Jane as, like, evil people in, like, season 10. Like, bring him back. Um, and I just, I love, <laughs> love it when, like, um, he's like, ah, I'm not going anywhere. So Fox and hides. And Wayne's just kind of like, oh, shit, Sherry. And he's just kind of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Sherry, what are you doing here? Like, um, this isn't my house. <laughs> Sherry, is it? Um, but, like, even I just, saw that like, picture of David on the wall and assumed it was my house. Should have known that he was naked, that it wasn't mine. Should have gotten that alarm system that we recommended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't tell CTU now. Um, but like even I love Sherry's uh, sort of reaction because she's just, it's not like she's walked in and gone like, ah, there's somebody in my house. There's a black man in my house. Um, <laughs> Sherry Palmer, there's a man in my house and he's black. <laughs> that, Max Dawson, that's 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 racist. Um, but I, I love like how she's just like, Wayne, what are you doing here? Answer me, answer me. And Wayne's just kind of like, oh, duh, what do I do? Um <laughs> But, like, the thing that I love about this is, like, on paper, it's stupid. Like, it's, it's Wayne's yeah. broken into an apartment and then it's like, like, what are you doing here? What are you? But then Fox just comes in and punches Sherry. Like, 
<laughs> violence against women, Australia says no. But there's just something kind of funny about just like Fox and just punching Sherry and Sherry gets mowed down. Again, not advocating for it. I love Sherry. I'm Sherry's biggest fan. Don't punch Sherry. But there's just something about her like Bleh! on the ground. There she goes. And then she's got the medicine bottle strapped to her back. Okay. Um, so then they leave. And then, of course, as they're about to bugger off, oh, Julia's back. Here's Gina Torres. He's, he's ready to go. Um, and in she goes. And, oh, this, don't you dare turn around and say this is in the top five scene. This is, I, I, I again, I like this death scene better than Nina's. I'm sorry, but I do. Um, this is probably my favorite behind Chappelle death scene of season three. Um, so Sherry sort of, I love how Sherry sort of gets up and she's like rubbing her lip going like, ah, oh, I should have seen the other guy. Uh, and then I just, Penny Justin Gerald just is so good in this sequence because Gina comes in, Gina, Gina, that's the name, Gina Torres. She comes in and I just kind of like Sherry again. Someone just walked into a house. This is a casual Friday. Everyone's just walking into Sherry's house. <laughs> She's just like, oh, Julia, what are you doing here? Uh, and then I just love uh, Julia. He's like, oh, you destroyed my life. You know, my life is over. And Sherry, again, good point. She's like, well, if you didn't talk to the fucking police, we wouldn't be in this position. It's kind of Julia's fault. I'm on board with Sherry there. Uh, Julia pulls out a gun. Sherry's all like, oh, don't shoot me. And then Wayne comes in. And just the epicness of this scene. Again, I'm with you. The first time I saw this, I'm like, really? That's how they kill Sherry? But, like, how else are you going to do it? I would be more angry if she died last year in the Coliseum. It's like, oh, she's a martyr now. Is she like, this is kind of, of course Sherry's going to go out like this way. Like, this is just the way that Sherry Palmer gets killed. Um, and just the way, even in her dying moments, she's manipulating the situation. Like, I just spoke with David. I'm going to be his wife again. Like, you'll get a pardon. Also, and I just love, D.B. Woodside's amazing here too. Just he's like, look in his face. He's shocked. He's terrified. He doesn't know what's happening. Gina Torres is amazing because she puts the gun down. He's like, oh, Sherry's safe. Thank God. Bang, bang, in the stomach, dead instantly. I don't know how that kills you instantly in two shots in the stomach, but sure, Sherry's very thin. I guess she's got nothing there to save her. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, I honestly thought Wayne was dying in this scene because, again, could have made sense. What are you going to need Wayne for? It's like he's going to be president in the future. Um, and then Julia's just like, I'm sorry, shoots herself in the head. Of course it's a network show. There's not going to be blood and guts everywhere. I'm sorry, Wayne's got brain all over himself at that point. Um, Colin's literally wiping brain off himself right now. Which, uh, <laughs> and that's it. Sherry dead. Um, and, like, again, going back to this whole chapter of 24 thing, as much as I love Sherry, as much as I love Nina, you've got to kill him off by now. Like, you can't keep bringing him back mm-hmm. season after season after season. It just would have been tiring. If you had have skipped them in season two and season three and brought them back in season four, fine. That's yeah. great because you haven't done it before. This, you had to do it. I'm sorry. As much as I love Sherry, you can't bring her back. I love Terry in season one. You can't bring back Terry after season one. We know that. We've gone over that. I think it's a perfect death for her. Uh, Like, I'm so on board with this death. Of course she's going to go out that way. And the ramifications this has for this franchise moving forward. This is going to lead to next week, spoiler alert, Palmer's going to step down as president. Keeler's going to be president. Without Keeler as president, we don't get Logan. Without Logan, we don't get the Bauer family. Oh, that would have been good probably. And without Logan, we don't get fruit delivered to Martha. Exactly, right? Uh, And then without all of that, we don't get stuff moving forward. So it's such a significant scene moving forward for a domino effect. And I fucking love this. This is a top five moment of this season, Colin Hilding. Shut your mouth. 
I'm, I'm, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I'm still a little bit in that seeing this for the first time. That's how it happens. Cause there's still issues with this. Um, and I, I, what I will agree with you is that, yeah, how else is Sherry going to die? I mean, she is going to be one step ahead of everybody. So the only way that it makes sense is to have the least intimidating character on this season, just decide to go all homicidal and just blow 16 holes in her chest. You know, that makes sense to me, but like I said, I started to question like, wait, does is Julia supposed to come back? Because it's just, it's been so long since she's been there. Like, does the audience care at this point that Julia's coming back? Do they have that, that connection to what happened earlier in the season enough that this matters to bring her back just out of but nowhere. But you need here. it though. You need to have conclusion to this. I feel without I, her I coming agree, back. But I feel like you also needed to have maybe some, something to lead into it. You needed some presence. But what what for could her. you do? Like, a prison I mean, scene more than like, one phone call when he's like it's the fact that she goes from she's calling wayne 20 minutes earlier when he's outside the house wayne i don't know what to do and then in those 20 minutes she decides i know what to do i'm gonna get a gun i'm gonna go there i'm gonna kill sherry and then i'm gonna kill myself and it, it's it's maybe the fact that she kills herself afterwards that just sort of makes me be like like who does this like she is who has pushed that much into a homicidal rage when they know they're about to kill themselves as well, I, like I mm. want to kill her and then kill myself. Like it's just, it seems too much of a stretch to me for a character that we don't know well enough to have these motives. We don't see her slowly going crazy over the last couple I, of weeks. Yeah, I see it. But like the things that I disagree with, and I think it's important is that the timing of this in the fact that the murder, what happened like one or two in the morning, this is now basically midday. So I think kind of on, on a day scheme of things, the police have come over. They've questioned her. They've basically said, like, oh, well, you're in trouble. Like, we're going to do this and we're going to come back in the next morning. So she's, like, stayed up all night. She's tried to get a hold of Wayne. She's tried to get a hold of lawyers. She's talking to lawyers. She's talking all this sort of stuff. She can't get through it. She's panicking. She's in a state of holy fuck, holy fuck. Again, it goes back into that emotionness that we've talked about with Tony. Then all of a sudden she rings up Wayne and he's like, like Wayne, like, come on, you've got to see me. I need help. She's been abandoned by everyone basically at this point so then like she's just panicked she's gone like fuck what am i meant to do what am i meant to do she's on an absolute nice edge so it's like what am i going to go jail or do this there are countless murder suicides that do this all the time i'm not condoning it but like this is just something where people do this on the ask chris benoit i'm too soon but like it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's like i don't know i just something about because like you know she's unhinged with this and just, it's just her life has literally changed in like a heartbeat all because of this one woman coming over to her house and basically wanting to meet with her like i, I definitely see what you're saying but i just i don't see what more they could have done because i would have been so much more dragged out if she's gone like i'm crazy i'm gonna kill someone <laughs> Loopy doopy doo. yeah it's just i think i think it was just maybe picking the wrong character to be the one i'm not saying the wrong character like who else you'd have in this season but if you, when we get to, let's talk about, you know, some of the stuff that's going to happen with uh, later on, you know, Aaron, Martha, fruit being delivered and stuff like that. You have enough time to really believe this character goes from completely sane, I, I still love you, Wayne, to I'm going to kill somebody and kill myself over the course of 12 hours. And it's such a short period of time. And when we last left her, yeah, she was kind of broken. Like she didn't love her husband. And the scene we have with Wayne, she doesn't say anything other than the police definitely didn't buy the story. They're going to be back. Like she's, she's not at the point where it's like, listen, you are going to be under arrest. If they had come, we have an arrest warrant. You're going to prison. If they have more evidence than just a pill bottle, if Sherry had called her and had an argument, maybe let's just say this. 
Sherry calls her and has an argument and uh, or, or the Gina Torres calls Sherry and says, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I'm really not feeling right. we're going to get arrested. And she goes, you know what? You're going to get arrested. But I just mail it. And Sherry, as cocky and arrogant as ever, is taunting her. I believe that pushes her. But I just I don't quite buy that. This woman who hid an affair from her husband, or did she, uh, stayed with this husband that she didn't love. She's very calculated herself, obviously, but she just suddenly goes because, oh, I have a suspicion that the police are going to arrest me. I need to kill Sherry Palmer and then kill myself. I, I yeah, like, again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I see exactly what you're saying, but I, I, I'm fine with this. I think it makes sense. I think you can buy into it. It comes back to emotions. People just get emotional and do stupid things and... This, unfortunately for her, was her thought process that was the only way out. And the thing that I think makes his death more meaningful and emotional over Nina is that what we get next week with David's reaction. I think that that sells this more and it means more and weirdly to me makes Sherry a more important character on that level on some way. Not more important than Nina but like still up there. Just, it's just that season one love I have and the fact that, you know, I'm so tied to that emotionally where that's kind of there. And I think the thing with Nina is like Nina gets shot, Nina gets killed. There's a two-minute discussion at the beginning of the next episode and then you just forget that she was even like literally right now, do you remember that Nina was in this season and died in this season? Like whereas Sherry happening right at the end, this is going to lead to an amazing scene with David's reaction next week and then ultimately, you know, that leads into all the domino effect that I said in the past I just think at the end of the day, it's a it's a more meaningful, a more weighted scene than Nina's death. We'll have to see as we progress further. I mean, I think I still uh, meaningful as far as it's it's not just wrapped up in a neat package that I kind of get. But I, I think I'll probably remember Nina's death a little bit more fondly than this. Um, but but again, like what I do love is that it's not just a simple one shot thing. Like the only character on this show that needs to be shot three four times is sherry palmer you know and and i also love the fact that it is like, like i mentioned earlier whether or not this was an intention or not it is the the least intimidating person that has existed on the show i mean if you had to choose between um julia and Anne, you would probably say Anne probably has more homicidal tendencies in her Aww. so i like the, the only person who who sherry would never suspect is coming is julia because she has been presented as that weak character who doesn't know how to take this Poor Wendy Crewson. Come on. Um, can we eulogize Sherry, please? I mean, yeah. you know, it, she's just, uh, what, what else can we say? We have defended the shit out of her, and I think 90% of the time we've picked apart that she's not really that much of a villain, but she's, she's just that character. We should say, you know, not a villain, but she's definitely done in a way where you're meant to hate her, and that's fine. I, I I can see what they're doing with it. Penny Johnson Gerald just does it in such a way where you're just like, holy crap, she's amazing. Um, and oh, she's just so good. And I'm so glad that she's still acting and still prominent and what she in the the Oracle, the Oracle, what's that Seth MacFarlane show that she's in or whatever it is? The, the Orville, yeah. Yeah, Orville, thank you. Um I started watching watch more it. of that. She's she's really good on it. I, I like I she's one of these actors that I just I, I need to watch more of her and stuff because I don't know if I've actually ever seen her in anything else. She was a voice in The Lion King, wasn't she? Oh, God, I remember that. But, like, it's as much as I love her in this show, she's just, to me, would be one of these actors who are going to be in other things that is going to be brilliant. Every time I see Michael Beach in something outside of Third Watch, he's equally amazing. You know, all these actors from all these shows that I love, they're so good. And she's just, 
this character is incredible. And I think what's sad about the character of Sherry is that after, you know, nine seasons, a spin-off and a movie, she never gets ranked highly as much as she should because mm-hmm. she gets kind of forgotten about. You sort of like, I mean, even now I'm into season six, like it's such a different show that you do kind of forget this whole Sherry plot line because David's legacy lives on. But like Sherry just kind of, oh, remember her? Even Nina, I'd argue, both of them just kind of get forgotten about. But I just, if if we ranked our top 10 characters, I've said this so many times, Sherry would be in my top five. I just love her so much. Such a great character, brings so much to it. And if I'm sad about anything from this season, or well, a few things about this season ending next week, but we're never going to see Sherry again. And I don't, I don't even know if she gets mentioned again. Um, maybe, oh no, she does. She does in the pilot, uh, the first episode of season five. Um, but yeah, it's lover, iconic, top five character for me, maybe even top three character for me in all of 24. Yeah, you know what's interesting about Sherry is this is kind of one of the reasons we talked about doing yeah. 24 in the first place is because True. when we were discussing all the shows to do and we, you you and I both knew we were fans of 24, well, one of the things it came down to is that we sort of talked off air about how we both loved Sherry Palmer and hated that she wasn't more appreciated as a character. So in a weird way, this this coverage is spawned out of us wanting to defend her. And now for three, what are we going to do with ourselves now that we can't defend Sherry Palmer? We're going to be defending Audrey Reigns. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how you are on the Audrey Reigns page, but I know a lot of 24 fans don't like Audrey Reigns. So uh, fuck oh, you great. all because Audrey Reigns, she's no Sherry Palmer, but she's a different character. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, am I biased because it's Kim fucking Raver? Of course I am. But at the same time, I love Audrey Reigns. I, I, if we had a list of actors, and we do obviously have a list of actors we'd love to get on the show, and we've, we've reached out to Penny's people and we just sadly haven't been able to get something on board. I don't even, I think they replied once and then sort of nothing ever came from it. Penny would be up there with Kiefer um, to to get on the show. Like uh, this is, this is no disrespect to Alicia Cuthbert or disrespect to Dennis Haysbert because I would interview them. I would drop everything and interview them right now. Fuck off Colin. I'm speaking to Dennis. I'm speaking to Alicia. I would almost say that I would have her number two behind Kiefer as most people I'd want to talk to from 24. Yeah, you know what? Part of it is the fact that she's had so much to do on this show. Like, if you look at the other characters, yeah, I'm not saying David's not a great character, but David, what you get in season one, there's some subtle changes. I mean, Sherry got to do it all. Penny got to do it all, you know? She got to be the supportive uh, future first lady. She got to be the weird one trying to get somebody to sleep with her husband, betraying her husband. Uh, collaborating with terrorists, um, holding the president hostage. Like there is so much fun stuff that like, this is why I love that. Cause really, if you look at filmography, she's done a lot of TV shows. I know that mm. she, she had done star Trek deep space nine before this was, it was a decent role. I saw some of that, but uh, the Orville after this is a comedy, but I have to imagine a role like this. She's never come across it in her career again. You know, uh, very few actors would. Uh, this is like she, her and Nina are really one of the same. Both characters kind of revealed to maybe have the traitor side in season one to ultimately turn into villains, but villains that are really out for their own interests. And that's what I love so much about her. But I, I'd probably agree with you. You know, Kiefer would be the number one. You know, sorry, Carlos and Dennis and Alicia, but uh, Penny would probably be the next one. Maybe if uh, Gregor Itzen was still alive, he'd be higher. Oh. But uh, you didn't kill him, though. No, no and I'll tell you one thing, re- re-watching sort of 
season five. It's, yeah, it's so sad. I mean, it is sad that Gregory Itzen sadly is no longer with us, but he, yeah, God. And we would have had an in with Gregory Itzen now after uh, interviewing, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, the guy who directed the the other fellow film. So um, I think we need to get him on the show. He's a mad 24 fan. That that interview turned into a 24 interview basically on 007. Uh, I will correct myself. I would have seen Penny Johnson, Gerald. I just do not remember the fact that she was a recurring character in ER. For, uh, kind of like ER, what? but without Penny Johnson Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> 9899, Lynette Evans. She was supporting cast in season five. I do not remember her in ER. That was probably um, the last season I really watched regularly, too. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's near the top of my rewatch list, ER, but it's a 15 season rewatch. It's a, it's a commitment. Yeah. But anyway, Penny Johnson, you are a, a legend. And 61 years old at the time of recording this. Wow, does she look good for her age? That is insane to think that she is 61 years old. I do what not a believe woman. it. What a woman. Um, the only trivia I have for you in the book this week is that apparently Rako Owlsworth and Carlos Bernard discovered that they went to the same high school in Chicago together. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Ten years apart. <laughs> Great. Uh, does Rako have a, a White Sox mug maybe instead of a Cubbies mug? I don't know. I'd, I'd like her even more if she did. But, uh, yeah. Uh, any other trivia on this episode? Um I don't have it open in front of me, so this is the part where I stall for time, play the flute. Um, there is, uh, this is Penny Johnson Gerald's last episode. Thanks, 24 Wiki. Uh, during the Sherry Palmer shooting scene, you can clearly see a crew member's reflection in the refrigerator door. Oh, there we go. No longer top five. No. During the mission inside the metro station, I overheard on one of the information signs, it says that the day is Friday. This confirms that day three started off on a Thursday. Ooh. Uh, one thing, actually, it's funny reading, I was reading the timeline the other day, and Jack Bauer. Uh, so there's the starting next season, we will have a prequel to each season, basically, for what, four, five, and six have prequels. And I guess Redemption is technically a prequel to season seven. But then season six has what's called Debrief. It was like a. I think like a five-part webisode that was made exclusive to like Sprint customers or something like that. It's just basically Jack Bauer gets brought into CTU and he's debriefed. It's actually better than 75% of season six episodes. But Jack Bauer reveals his date of birth and his age. I think it's like the February the 17th, 1966. So there you go. If you want to send Jack so Bauer a happy birthday. 35 when the show started? Yeah, roughly. Which I think there's, uh, if you, I was reading the timeline on 24 Wiki, and basically I think season eight or nine is basically 15 or 16 years set after season one. So technically, like, we're in the future right now. We're in like 20, 2009, 2010, based on this timeline or something like that. So, so he yeah. would have had been only like 18 when he knocked up Terry. Hey, you know, or did Teenage Terry knock up there. Jack? Come on. Oh, other way around. It. Yeah, exactly. Why um, am I knocking up a man? What is with this yeah. dong under my legs? <laughs> oh, we haven't had Leslie on in a while. Let's get her back on the show for some reason. Why not? Um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's Thursday. Time to get Leslie back on. Um, <laughs> I am buying this episode, Colin Hilding. Yeah, I'm buying it too. I have my issues with it, but uh, I don't want that to take away from the enjoyment. I mean, it, it's a really solid episode and I actually found myself trying to move it up higher in my rankings. Uh, I wasn't able to move it up that much, but uh, I was sort of going like, typically I'll be like, okay, around here. All right. This episode. Yeah. It's better than that. I'll put it here. And this one, I'm like, Oh, you know, I kind of want it to be a little bit higher. Let me look at this one. But 
Yeah, I don't know about you from my rankings. I've got this at 23. Oh. Uh, do I at 23? Um, maybe not. Hold on. 30. Jesus. 31. There we go. Wow. <laughs> that, that's that's slightly different from 23. I got this at 31. So wow. uh, between the season, the season episodes, there was the one that I was a really big fan of that you weren't, the, the yeah, Jack you and had Ramon a top Escape. 10 episode. Yeah. But that no, one that is high. lower than this. But I, I I was looking at other season three episodes and uh, episode 16 before this, um, which uh, I have slightly higher. But uh, yeah, I still love this one. It's good. It's good. But it's a little bit lower on my buy scale because I do have issues with Sherry's death and everything. Wow. You've got that super low because I have this at number six. Uh, <laughs> I've got this in the, firmly in the top 10. Uh just below the nuclear bomb episode and then last week's episode. I think this is a great episode. Um, and spoiler alert, next week's episode's higher than both of them. So, yeah, yeah, the last three episodes of this season are fantastic. Um, I, I, I shouldn't be surprised, though, because you've said from the beginning, like, this is your season. You are the, the big defender of season three. And, I mean, I've spoiled it. Obviously, everything's a buy. So, I, if people have been keeping track, which I'm sure both my fans have, I have not binned an episode this season. I've rented a couple. I've bought it. So, this bought and rented everything uh spoiler alert season four there are bins spoiler alert season five i've got at least two bins in that in season five the esteemed season five wait till we get to um, season six <laughs> you sent me a screenshot i, I see a whole lot of red <laughs> i didn't want to send it to you because i kind of wanted to just get wait to season six but i'm just like no fuck it you're gonna forget i send this to you like a year or two whenever we get to season six but like literally i think what there's like pretty much 80 percent red <laughs> <laughs> and it could it could always change too like that's the thing is that we, we got to rewatch these at some point so you never know i'm not saying season six will change but there's a possibility maybe i'll I talk really... you into, every once in a while we talk each other into you know improving our opinions on an episode i when i'm doing this speed watch i'm thinking of your opinion sometimes too and there are definitely i know season <laughs> five i feel definitely season five some of my issues with it, you're not going to have issues with it and that's fine it's good to have differing opinions but i'm watching season six and even i'm going like yeah colin's gonna hate it. this is just like if Colin's going to watch this and think this is good, like, no. Um, and I love James Cromwell. I love Paul McCrane, but holy fuck balls are they miscast in that. Um, just anyway. Uh, next week, it is the finale of season three. I've said it so many times. I hated the ending of this season the first time I saw it. I was fucking mad. I don't think I've been as mad in 24 as I have ever been with the ending of next week, I was furious. But now it is maybe my second favorite ending of all of the seasons. Um, it's this or season two. Uh, although the season six finale, for as shit as season six is, it's a fucking good finale. Season six and season three finales are very similar. Um, but oh my God. And uh, But outside of that, we've got two top five moments next week. Um, because Chase, remember his hand that got injured, might come into it next week. Oh, also, remember this week and last week, didn't mention, Tony got shot in the neck. Um, there's Gina some great... almost mentions it. You don't look so true. good. <laughs> true, true. Uh, there's great action. Uh, there's just so much going on. There's one thing in next week which I hate so much, and it's not the ending. I still hate this moment next week. It's dumb. It's cheap. It's stupid. We find out Gael has a wife, and that's important, very important. What? Yeah. It's like, what? And then in two seconds, she becomes one of the most important things of next week for no reason. It's making me mad right now. Um, but 
oh god, the ending next week elevates this episode onto a different tier. It's uh, it's incredible. Uh, spoiler alert: it's higher ranked than season two's finale, and season two finale pretty decent. So, uh, yeah, great episode next week. Um, I know my brother listens to the show every once in a while. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have recor- we'll have recorded the finale by the time he even hears this. But I'm actually curious if if he remembers our reactions to it because I don't think it was quite as harsh as yours the end of season three, but I, I, I seem to remember it being very, well, that wasn't what I expected. Like, Oh, is that it? You know, not, not necessarily angry, but like, Oh, I was kind of expecting more. But then I also remember not the entire finale. It's not like we sat there and rewatched that episode over and over again, but the last 10 or 15 minutes, just being like, let's watch that again. Let's watch that again. And after we'd watched it several times being like, that's kind of brilliant. You know, like I think that the, the season three, finale, the other thing along with Sherry Palmer that kind of started us talking about, oh, we really need to talk about 24 is because we both always sort of had that reaction and really want to get to why season three finales might be the most perfect ending that any of the uh, shows have had for any of the seasons. And I, I don't remember the Guile thing at all. Uh, I probably don't remember <laughs> much will. else other than the last 10 minutes, but those last 10 minutes are like ingrained in my brain because it might be like the most perfect 10 minutes any show had. And yet it's it's weird because with season one and season two, we're getting close to the end of this. I remember, especially with season one, we didn't, it's not even like we had plans to record the finale yet. I was on like episode 22. And by the time I was on 22, I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep watching. Kind of like what you're doing with season six to seven now. I'm like, I'm going to keep watching. And I'm like, all right, I'll worry about my notes later. I got to finish this. But I, I, my memories of that season three finale are so strong that like, I kind of want to go into it fresh, just one episode. But uh, yeah, those last 10 minutes, that's good. Hall of Fame moment after Hall of Fame moment. If, if we can lump it in as one, we will. But if not, we're going to break into multiple finale moments. The, in the, the, top the, the other one, like, yeah, that's sort of the the chase, the hand, the whole thing there. The thing that is like epic about that too, which, um, you know, in hindsight with what we see in 24, it's like, oh, cool. It's just one of those sort of scenes. But like the time it aired and everything, like it's, up there with the beheading of the guy in the episode one of season two and just things like that it's yeah it's incredible so that's next week uh yeah a finale and the best finale we will get at least till season five because season four finale eh, well where do we get to that um <laughs> so i love having this speed watch and like being able to kind of drop these things it's, it's fun um but in the meantime we've got other great things happening at the moment our uh, men in black Month is great. We're pumped for that. So uh, tune into that. Of course, Lost and Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad very nearly at the end. So uh, catch up on that. Are you still listening, Colin? Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm a couple weeks behind, but I think I'm around episode seven or eight now. Um, But I'll catch up before you guys finish. Good. I'm glad. And Lost, as we said before, it's it's all done. We've wrapped it up, Lost. So uh, that will. How disappointing is it that the listeners who who stuck with you for years listening to Breaking Bad they get the nice send off of season five coverage and all those listeners who stuck with you for even more years for listening to loss have to sit through season six as your, your, your finale of the Oz network coverage. There really is something about the sixth season of TV shows. There really is because every show we have covered on the Oz network that has gone to at least six seasons. Has it been the worst third watch? That's when worst I stopped season. watching ER. Nip tuck worst season lost worst season. 24, worst season. Breaking Bad ended at season five. Although Better Call Saul, good season six. Um, Survivor, yeah, Amazon, overrated. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, season six, not a good season for, for most TV shows. I disagree with ER. I always stand by the fact that ER maintained its consistency to like season 12, season 13. But that's an unpopular opinion. But anyway, ER Oz, coming soon when you start paying us. Uh, thanks for tuning in. 
This has been the Oz Network. I really do not have another. I literally had one quote and I've said it. Uh, my name is Ben, and despite everything that's happened, I love you and play the flute. And my name is Colin, and I'm Ben's wife. He did what he did to save my life. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.